Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, we come now to worship the Lord through the opening up of his word and to learn the gospel, as it were, to come to our hearts to shape us, transform us, and to produce within us worship for all that he's done for us in blessing us every way. So we love the Bible at Exchange. Uh, it is where we come to hear God speak to us, uh, to instruct our hearts and our lives, and to see us uh, reflect his glory into this world. Uh, we are going through the book of Luke, uh, uh, Jesus, Salvation for All. Uh, And we are up to Luke 13, once I get my Bible in the right spot. And uh, this week we're going to be thinking about compassion. Just a few thoughts here as we... Whoop, turn that off the wrong way. Just a few thoughts here. Um, Perhaps Joe, you can throw that first image up. Uh, What do you feel when you see these sorts of images on the TV with starving children in Africa? What do you feel? What do you feel when you see perhaps orphaned children after destructive wars and uh, these children are sort of orphaned and abandoned quite often? What do you feel when you see single mothers or women being abused physically and mentally in domestic violence? What do you feel? What do you feel when you see people living broken lives rejecting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? Perhaps out of some of those images you may feel things like feel sorry for them. You might feel angry in some of those situations that people have been taken advantage of like that. I think also you might feel compassion as well, reaching out to those people and empathising with the situation they're in and what they're going through. Compassion. Uh, This is where we want to go today uh, as we think about Jesus showing compassion here in Luke 13 through some very challenging and difficult situations. So if you've got your Bibles, please go Luke 13. And uh, we're going to follow on from where Brian so wonderfully read for us before. That was Brian's first time too serving here. So thanks very much, Brian, for doing that as well. So we're going to follow on from Brian there from verse 31 through to 34. Once I get the right chapter. Here we are. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together this morning uh, in person here, Lord, also online as well. We thank you, Lord, today that you've given us uh, your word, the Bible, the scriptures. Uh, We ask now that, Holy Spirit, you would come and breathe life into this word. 
This would not be just a mental exercise today, a time of thinking and comprehending, although it is that, but we want it to go beyond that. We want it to transform our hearts and our lives. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do that transformation process today as we think about what you're saying and you do your supernatural work of changing the way we think and thereby changing the way we act. Please help us, we pray now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there's many facets that make up our personhood as a human being. And one of the facets we see today in Jesus is his compassion here through this passage uh, as we look at it. Uh, We are emotional beings. We cannot escape that. That is the way God has created us. And these emotions are really powerful movements within us. Uh, And they're powerful movements not just to sit upon our heart as waves of feelings, but they're also to actually drive change within us, compel us to do something, compel us not only to feel something, but to put something to action as well. Uh, compassion is a very powerful, motivating feeling that, helps, uh, that perhaps helps us to identify with others and what they're going through and the sort of things they're feeling at that time, to empathise with them, just like some of those images uh, we saw then. But as we'll see with Jesus here, as we think about his compassion, it really does go next level and really actually helps us to grow in that compassion as well for us to put it into action in our lives. Uh, just to kick us off, uh, so a big idea here is what's going to shape us with where we're going is this. Uh, the compassion of Jesus must help drive us on to complete the mission of the gospel. The compassion of Jesus must help drive us on to complete the mission of the gospel. I just want to spend a couple of moments here firstly seeing the compassion of Jesus himself. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we can get a skewed picture of who Jesus is. We can sort of get maybe a slightly shaded picture of who he is. Sometimes we see this picture that Jesus was perhaps a hard and insensitive person and couldn't empathise with others in their plight that they were facing. Sometimes we see Jesus as the man who would come into the temple and turn over the tables of the money changers. And he would come in there and call out strongly the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and sort of see this harder edge of Jesus and maybe not quite see the compassion of Christ. Now, that harder edge of Jesus was right. It had to be done. It was true. It was something that was warranted at the time. But we can't lose sight of the compassion of Jesus Christ as well. We see it in verse 34 there, where he says, How often I would have gathered your children. And we'll come back to that verse in a moment. But we can see it in many other passages as well. And here's just a few to help us set the groundwork here for the compassion of Jesus. Matthew 12, 20 says this. This is Jesus speaking. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. Luke 7, 13 says this. And when the Lord saw her, this is Jesus, He had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Mark 1, 40 to 41, he says this, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Jesus then moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Matthew 15, 32, another instance here picking up the compassion of Jesus is this. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. 
And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. So there it is again, this compassion of Jesus. We can't make a mistake here about the compassion of Christ. He was moved by the suffering and by the misery of people around about him. Jesus truly saw the brokenness of humanity. Jesus truly saw the consequences of sin and all of its pain and destruction upon our lives. Jesus saw the lives of people cracking under the crushing load of hurt and despair. And Jesus moved with compassion amongst them. The compassion of Jesus is a powerful picture of a merciful God who reaches down to the helpless and the hopeless to lift them up. He's a compassionate God. But there's one thing here about Jesus' compassion. It never drove him to deviate from the truth or the mission of salvation. He always remained true and he always remained on the mission that God had given to him to save and to rescue a lost humanity. As we see in this passage that we've just been reading, Jesus is travelling to Jerusalem. He's actually made a distinct uh, turn about a chapter or so back, or about three chapters back. He's now heading to Jerusalem to die. And on his way to Jerusalem, travelling through these towns and villages, he's teaching about God and talking about God wherever he goes, bringing up this person of God. And then someone asks this question here, as Brian read for us before, Lord, will those who are saved be few? It's really important to ask, well, why did that question get asked? And the context behind the question is this. Israel had this really deep held belief. Everybody from Israel would be saved. Every Jewish person would be saved, except maybe for the really, really bad Jews or evil Jews, maybe just the murderers. But everybody else, just because you're a Jew means you'll be saved. So it was a bit of a trick question, perhaps, in a way. That's behind the question. Jesus easily could have followed the party line. He could have done what everybody did and said, let's play it safe, and could have said, yes, it'll all be okay. Everybody will be saved who's a Jew. Just keep being a good person and you'll be saved. Jesus could have taken the safe option and the safe path, but he didn't. Jesus actually took a compassionate response here. And have a look in verse 24 and see what he says. He says this, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now you might say, well, I can't really see the compassion there in that response. Well, the compassion is, Jesus didn't hold back from telling the truth. They all believed just because they were Jewish, they were in. Jesus said, no, Strive to enter through the narrow door. You see, compassionate because he's speaking the truth. He doesn't do the unloving thing and just allow them to keep believing a lie and living in that path. No, Jesus stays with the truth. And Jesus begins to show his compassion here even further because he can see where this is all going for these guys if they continue to keep living a lie and following this path. He knows where it's ending up. And he says this, many of you want to come into God's kingdom, but you're refusing to come via God's appointed way. You'll strive to enter, but you're not going to enter the right way. You're not going to enter through me. You want to come, you actually want to devise your own path to get into God's kingdom. That will never be, Jesus says. There's only one way through to God. And in verse 25, as Jesus sees what's happening here in the future, he says this, the day is coming, says Jesus, when the master of the house, 
What's he going to do? That's God. He will rise and he'll close the door to his kingdom. A day is coming when the door will be closed. There's an appointed time when God will pull the plug on this world and it's all over. It doesn't seem like that now. We don't know when that time is, but there is a time coming when one day God will arise and he'll shut the door. He'll pull the plug. And when that time of judgment begins, because that's what it is, Jesus is saying, you'll be knocking on the door, figuratively speaking, to these people he's talking to at this point, and you'll be saying, Lord, let us in. Let us in. You'll plead your case before him. And Jesus is saying, look in verse 26, he says this. This is the case you'll plead. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Claiming some sort of connection to Jesus. Lord, I lived next door to a Christian all my life and we got on so well. We even spoke about you occasionally over the fence. Lord, I went to church at Christmas and Easter. I never missed Christmas and Easter to go to church. Lord, surely that will be enough to get me in. Lord, I even know something about you. I know about that story, you know, Jonah and all those animals on the boat. No, I didn't get that story right. Well, I know about Jonah. I know about a boat. Will that get me in? Jesus said, you, you, know, you, you think because you ate in my streets and you were hearing me. That was it. And Jesus is saying, no, all that pleading of why you should be allowed to get in and to come in his kingdom, that won't work. That's not it. He has a heart of compassion. He has to speak the truth in love in a compassionate way before these ones. Because he sees this. He says, God will answer you with this day, on that day, with words you do not want to hear. Thinking you could get into the kingdom any old way you possibly wanted. He says this in verse 27. But he will say on that day, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. You thought you could get in that way? These are the words you're going to hear. You don't want to hear them, but these are the words you're going to hear on that day if you think you can come to any other, get into my kingdom in any other way other than me. Depart from me. Depart from me. Jesus can see the, their faces at this time sitting there. Shock. Utter disbelief. They thought they were in the kingdom. And those words ring in their ears. Depart from me. Depart from me. And then Jesus goes on to tell them again how you'll be feeling on that day with compassion in his heart and what they'll experience on that day when they realise they're locked out of the kingdom. He says in verse 28, he says this, in that place, in that place where you are locked out of the kingdom, in that place, there'll be weeping, there'll be gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom, but you yourselves cast out. Not there. He says you'll be both feeling emotionally spent. You'll be weeping. You'll be emotionally done. But at the same time, you'll be angry. You'll be gnashing your teeth. You'll be heartbroken on one hand and you'll be filled with rage on the other hand. That's what you'll experience on that day when you're locked out, when you're cast out. And unbelievably, you'll see other believers, other Christians in God's kingdom, reveling in his joy, reveling in his praise, enjoying God's goodness, soaking in his peace, marvelling at his unending perfections, and you'll be cast out. 
you'll be cast out. You'll be locked out. Game over. The book is closed. Terrifyingly, Jesus can see this and tells them with compassion, you'll be brokenhearted with dismay and disappointment, but you'll be in a rage against God at the same time. Never ever to able to have a chance to enter that kingdom. See, Jesus knows all that. And he sees all that coming. And with compassion, compels him to declare this truth to them. As a way of opening up their eyes. That they would come via him and not any other way they think they can come. Now that's on one hand. At the very same time as Jesus is teaching, going through these towns and villages, he's facing uh, this continuous opposition as well, uh, while carrying out this teaching too. In verse 31 there, we, we see, as I read that before, uh, some Pharisees there come with, with, who are colluding with King Herod at this time, an evil King Herod, to let Jesus know, hey Jesus, there's a target on your back. Herod wants to kill you. Now, there's a bit of a sort of a collusion going on between the Pharisees and King Herod. They don't want Jesus around at all, but they come to say, hey, you're a marked man, Jesus. There's a price on your head. Uh, you'd better get out of here, Jesus. Move to the next area. Just leave us alone. So he's facing his opposition, but Jesus responds here with resolve as they tell him this, underpinned at the same time there with compassion. Look in verse 32 as Jesus responds to them. He says this, And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Tell that fox, you might be thinking, what does fox mean there? Uh, Fox uh, at that time, a corrupted, insignificant nobody. So Jesus is saying, tell that corrupted, insignificant nobody, King Herod, I've got a mission to complete. You can do all you like to put fear into me, but I've got a mission to complete. Nothing and nobody is going to stop the mission that I'm on. Not even the fear you're trying. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going the distance. I'm not going to look back with fear and pull back from this. And Jesus knows where this mission's clearly going as well. He knows this mission will end in death. Look in verse 33. He tells us that. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow... And the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus said, I'll go the course. I'll stay the path. And its end is a brutal death. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus knows where this mission is ending. It's going to end in Jerusalem. And it's going to end on a cross. It's going to end where he bears the wrath of God directed toward humanity's sin that Jesus will carry as the sinless Lamb of God. He knows where this is going. He knows where it's going to end. Think about that. Think about the weight of what Jesus is carrying here. Think about the pressure that's on him. Teaching, villages, towns, dealing with people, dealing with these authorities who want to kill him. Think about the compassion of Jesus here as he maintains these weighty convictions of gospel truth, not taking the easy or soft path, which is no path at all at the end of the day. He puts himself out there by saying the hard things that need to be said in love and in compassion to rescue the lost and rescue the broken. 
He doesn't walk away from the path. He also walks this earth at the same time with this crushing tension of these religious authorities and evil King Herod seeking to kill him. Think of the load of stress that is on Jesus Christ as he does this. Ask yourself, who needs that drama in your life? Jesus, why don't you just walk away from all of this and just leave it all behind? Why don't you just walk away from it, Jesus? But look, look at what Jesus says next here with all this sitting upon his mind and in his heart. Look at verse 34 and hear this. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing Can you feel what Jesus is saying there? Can you sense the passion in his voice when he says that? Can you see the compassion that he pours out here in the face of all that opposition? Difficult conversations, having to say the hard things to point people towards the truth, facing these evil authorities. Yet he's filled with compassion. It's nearly oozing out of him as he says that. He has this compassionate heart here to glorify the Father, to save a lost and broken humanity, and that's what drove him on, despite what he was facing. Compassion. He says, how often have I called you to myself to be saved? How often have I called you to come to me to find shelter and protection, Jerusalem? Talking about the nation of people. How often have I provided you for a stronghold from the shelter from the judgment to come? How often have I done this? I've called you. I'm here to gather you into God's kingdom, to bring you into reconciliation, to know truly his love and acceptance, forgiveness, Jesus says. This is what I've done. But then look at the devastation that Jesus finishes this verse with as he says all that. He says these really telling words and you were not willing you were not willing you turned salvation down you walked away from my love and my healing that I offered you you heard it all plainly I made it as clear as day and you said that's not for me that's not for me And you walked away. You can sense the pain in Jesus' voice when he says that, can't you? And you weren't willing. You walked away. True compassion drove Jesus on. Knowing the judgment coming down the track and feeling that final rejection they'll hear from God, Jesus moved by compassion stays the course, continues the path to beckon and to call, come to me, come to me. Compassion's a powerful thing. It's an amazing thing that God's given us. It's a really vital part of our humanity. Can you imagine 
a culture or society without compassion. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if we just weren't compassionate people or compassionate beings? Can you imagine the marginalised and the poor, like some of those ones we saw in those images before? Could you imagine how they would fare in this world without compassion, without a heart to empathise with that? Wouldn't be good, would it? It'd be terrible. There'd be no one who would, could identify that or no one who would reach out to that. And compassion is a powerful thing. We are thankful for organisations that reach out with compassion to touch the, uh, the needs of humanity around about us in various ways. And, and really what that does, that reflects to us the common grace that God has given to all of us as people made in his image with that compassion to reach out. But it's important here to see that Jesus' compassion really is next level. It really is next level. It's beyond our comprehension. Jesus shows compassion to a world that doesn't want him. King Herod and the Pharisees don't want him. They actually want to kill him. Jesus shows compassion to people that continually reject him, that continually turn him away. Jesus shows compassion when we are ungrateful and unthankful, continues to show compassion towards us. It's next level compassion. Would you or I be willing to reach out to people who didn't care about us or what we were doing for them? How long would we last with our compassion if that was the case? Would we reach out to people who ultimately want to kill us? No, we wouldn't want to do that. We just wouldn't go there. I'd say, forget it, I'm not doing that. You only want to kill me. What's the point of showing you compassion? Jesus' compassion is next level. It's beyond what we could even possibly imagine. Because that's precisely what Jesus has done for us. His perfect compassion drove him in love to go to the cross so that we could be saved. So that we, we could be part of this brood, as it were, gathering unto him. As he wanted to gather these people towards him. Jesus on the cross took our judgment to rescue us. His compassion's next level. And what Jesus really demonstrates here is vitally important for us as we think about what's happening. Compassion is a powerful feeling and emotion. But it mustn't stay just as a feeling. It's got to move to an action. It's got to move to an action. It's important that we feel compassion, but it's got to move to another level here, as it were, to make it useful in our lives. To call Jesus our saviour, he must also be our Lord to obey him. And to know his compassion through the gospel is also to live it out or put into action that that same compassion would be through us towards others. Here's how James sees this idea of putting things into action. Have a look at James chapter 2, verse 14 and 17. He says this, What good is it, my brothers... If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's one thing to have the, you know, be warm, be filled... That's good, but it's got to go to the next level. It's got to actually do something about that. 
Because James says, well, what good is that? You've had the compassion, so to speak, but you've done nothing about it. You've just gone on your way. It hasn't translated into something, an action. Gospel compassion must have gospel action. It must translate into something. How does gospel compassion then work in completing this mission of Jesus that he's given to us? If we have compassion, how does it work to do something now, to take it to another level? It starts by this. It starts by seeing absolutely who Jesus is and what he's done for us. For us to have the compassion to carry out the mission of reaching the the 68,000 people here in the greatest shepherd and region that don't know Jesus, it starts first with that compassion of understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It's always got to start there. That's the foundation of getting a hold of that. Seeing how unworthy we are and how unloving we are, but yet Christ has compassion on us. It starts there. We then take that same mindset seeing what Jesus has done for us, that gospel uh, thought pattern, and we take that same, same mindset sorry, towards others, we begin to contemplate the end result of all people who at this time reject Jesus, who don't bow the knee to him as their Lord and their Saviour and live life their way. We begin to think what will be their end result. We begin to think what will be the eternal perspective here for these people? Because we can see them here and there and they look happy and glad and that's okay on one hand. But in the eternal mindset, that's not okay if they're outside of Christ. What do we see? Well, we actually begin to think on these words that they'll hear from God. Depart from me, I never knew you. We can see them happy here, but we've got to think, now, what's it going to be like when they stand before God outside of Jesus? Depart from me, I never knew you. We've got to imagine their sinking heart as they realise what's happened in that awful moment. That the door is closed. We've got to think about that on behalf of other because they're not thinking about it. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us have compassion on those ones, knowing what their end point is outside of Jesus. We've got to see them, even in the here and now, bound up in their broken lifestyles, with a life littered in painful relationships and painful consequences. I'm sure we can all think of people, I can think of many, that we can see how their corrupted way of living leads them to this repeat patterns of behaviour and more and more dysfunction in their lives. I know of some people, we just watch them go into another relationship, just looking for love and acceptance and forgiveness somewhere. They're just desperately looking for that. And they go into another relationship on top of the last 10 or 15 they've been in. And what do they find? Same thing. Brokenness, pain. They don't find what they're looking for. We've got to imagine that. We've got to see what's happening in that. And we've got to ask the Holy Spirit, give me compassion for these people. Then compassion, once we get that and see that, the eternal perspective and what's happening in the here and now and the brokenness they're living in, it's got to move us to action. It's got to take us to the next level with our faith. Initially, it's going to start with this. We're going to pray for them as that compassion wells up within us. 
We've got to pray for them. We've got to pray for whether it's a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or uncle or auntie or friend or work colleague or whatever. We've got to pray for them. Compassion moves us to prayer. If you say to me, I don't know what to pray about, I could give you a million things to pray about. Think about all the people you're connected with who aren't Christians. There's a lot of things you can pray about. Compassion's got to move us to pray. Praying, Lord, would you please open their eyes up, Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you work in the hearts and lives of my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, the person I sit next to at work? Lord, please would you open their eyes up to Jesus? Would you open their eyes up? Help me, Lord. Help me to reflect Christ into their life. Help me to see, Lord, that outside of you they'll hear those awful words. Please, God, please help me and my heart to reach out. Pray like that. We can do something for them. There's actually probably a million things we can do for people, and it'll depend on the circumstances they're in. But we can do compassionate things. We actually can take the time to sit down and hear their story, hear what's happening in their life, hear what's gone on in their life uh, through the years gone by. You can do that. You actually can do other things like getting in a car and taking them to a doctor's appointment in Melbourne. That's a compassionate action. Doing something, reaching out to actually make a connection with these people. And here's what this means. A compassionate action will disrupt your day or disrupt your schedule. It'll do that. As you reach in with compassion and connect with other people's lives, it will muck up your schedule. It'll ruin your diary. In other words, we have to make space for people at a cost to ourselves in time and energy and resources, just even to take time to listen to somebody. You might have two or three things you've got to do this afternoon and this person's about to open their heart up. Forget about the two or three things. Sit and listen. Let your schedule be disrupted. We'll have a choice. Will I, make, will I do the compassionate thing and take that time out and sort of disrupt my day? Or will I just want to get involved? Now, the safe and easy option is just not get involved. But that's not the compassionate heart that Christ gives us. This is where compassion grows in us. Compassion grows in us when we actually think about others ahead of ourselves. When we actually get out of ourselves and stop being so inwardly focused about me and I start to think about others. That's where the gospel shapes us. That's where the gospel heart of compassion grows as we think about others. Now that's really difficult because we are all broken and our heart wiring to be inwardly focused. Life's all about me, whether it's about my pride or about my self-pity in life. All gets centred back on me. But the gospel teaches us to look outside of ourselves and see others. And where's it go from there? Ultimately, if our friend isn't a Christian, our compassion must compel us, must compel us to look for every opportunity possible to tell them about Jesus, to share the gospel with them, to keep carrying out this glorious mission that he's given to us with compassion. Yes, we certainly want to help with their earthly needs. Cook them a cake, take them to the doctor, mow their lawns, whatever it might be, wash their car, I don't know what it might, could be a million things. That's good, they're connection points, but ultimately their biggest need in life is not to ultimately go to the doctor or have their lawns mowed. It's their spiritual need when they stand before the Lord. 
We don't want them to hear those words. Depart from me, I never knew you. We're asking the Holy Spirit to give us a depth of compassion that will help me share the gospel with them. So is the gospel fueling your compassion today? Has Jesus impacted your life by seeing what he's done that causes you or I to go outside of ourselves and actually see other people? Is it doing that enough? Will we're happy for our day to be disrupted? Will we're happy for our schedule to just sit to the side? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to see our friends, our family, become followers of Jesus and to find relationship and joy with him? Compassion. It's a powerful thing that God works in our hearts as we submit ourselves to him and see what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you now that we can uh, come at the end of this passage and just see Jesus. Lord, to see uh, the drive for the mission, the willingness to teach and to talk and to listen and to say the hard things but the true things in a loving and compassionate way, Lord, to face that opposition from all the religious authorities literally wanting to kill him. And that, Jesus, you continue to show compassion. I pray, Holy Spirit, please work in our hearts today the truth of Christ. And this truth would not just stay, as it were, regurgitating around our mind. Because I know, Lord, this afternoon, tomorrow, tonight, we will have opportunities to show compassion. Please alert us to that. Please help us to be willing to be disrupted. Please help us to look away from ourselves and not be so inwardly focused to look to others and begin with a compassionate heart to reach out with the love of Christ, with the ultimate aim, Lord, to see them become followers of Jesus, knowing him in a living and loving relationship. Help us to encourage each other in doing that, Lord, as a body of believers with a massive mission field here around about us, which starts, Lord, just in our own circle. Help us to have that compassion, I pray. So, Lord, we would reflect the glorious love of Christ uh, to those around us. Lord, we ask, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.